Hey there, Canada. I'm David Fitzgerald, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith in us. Coming at you from soon Winter Wonderland, BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and people who can't distinguish between etymology and entomology bug me in ways I cannot put into words. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's the best. That's the best one in a long time. I think so. Joining me as usual is the team whose puns deserve capital punishment. Oh my God. She wondered why she was the only naked person at a gender reveal party, Nancy. Mm. <laughs> That's not what gender reveal means, dear. <laughs> and she's going to ruin Christmas by saying, okay, boomer, after family prayer, Kristen. <laughs> oh, I think you got me mixed up with Christina. Oh, uh, doesn't oh. matter. <laughs> Ladies, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you had a great week. It was a good week. It was Christina's birthday. It was. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, she's not here for me to play the little jingle of happy birthday, but, you know. Anyway, dear, if you're listening, happy birthday. You can do it for my birthday in a couple weeks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> did you make a cake? Or did you buy a Oh, cake? God, no. I This year, I bought one. Oh. A Reese's Blizzard cake. Ooh, oh. nice. It's the good stuff. You know, I, a lot yeah. of people like ice cream cakes. I'm not a fan. Really? I and, you know I like cake like sponge cake 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 you know that's mm-hmm. that's me that's me I I'll, eat, I'll sometimes I used to make myself a cake just for fun without any icing just a sponge and I would just eat that mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm good I'm totally happy with that I did once make her a black forest cake oh nice which yeah. is definitely an interesting one and it turned out pretty good except for something went a little off and it didn't rise properly so it's a little dense but aside from that good the, well the, dense is good I, I used to have a great aunt that used to make a, some kind of a uh, fruit cake with fruits in it and it took 30 days to make it Jesus Christ yeah, oh, it you was, to, yeah. let it sit ferment let it ferment it, it and all that yeah. stuff yeah but it was fantastic it had like a, a butter uh, butter sauce or something like that to it it was oh my god this it was had so boozy whipped cream <laughs> maybe mm, so I got to make myself So anyway, this is the cooking show, apparently. (laughs) Today, we'll be talking to Jeff Cohen of FAIR. We'll be talking about uh, issues in uh, uh, bias and unbiased media, and God knows it's quite apropos. But first, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Did you guys hear that the uh, brand of cereal Kellogg's released an all-together cereal (laughs) to support the LGBTQ? So, it's a limited series, a cereal of six known uh, cereals they already have. Uh, they have, like, Frosted Flakes, Fruit Loops, Rice Krispies, Raisin Bran, Frosted Mini Wheat, and Corn Flakes, which is a weird mix. Yeah, I... I I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't imagine that would necessarily taste good. Yeah, the Raisin Bran and the, fr- the Corn Flakes just don't seem to fit in there for some reason. I mean, I don't really do the typical flaky cereals anyways, because I find they just turn oh, to mush too fast. You're not flaky enough? No. No? Okay. <laughs> t- I find they turn to mush too fast. Fair you know, enough. Some years ago, I don't know how many years I'm going back, it could be as much as 10, but there was a trend for um, restaurants to 
um, turned themselves in the morning into cereal restaurants mm. where people came in and they could choose whatever cereal they wanted. And that was a big thing in a lot of I cities. I don't recall that. Yeah, and, and so I wonder whether or not this might have been something that people ordered. You know, they'd say, just give me a little bit of everything. If I'm going to a restaurant, I don't want cereal. No, but this was a real, this was a thing. If you can't remember it, it's got to be at least 10. Yeah. You know, but, but it was, it was a trend. So I'm just wondering whether it's like mishmash. Cereal for breakfast is really a North American thing. You go to Europe, yeah. you don't really have that a whole lot. So anyway, these limited series boxes are actually priced $19.99 each. I'm paying that oh for, how, yeah. how big but, are they? The Kellogg's donation. Uh, oh, I was going to say there has to money. be a donation. Yeah, yeah. In They've already donated fifty thousand dollars to charities in support of the LGBTQ, and more of it is going to go with the, the purchase of these boxes, I guess. Um, did you guys hear that Canada decided to reverse its stance on Palestine and voted against Israel for once? They actually voted for a UN resolution in support of Palestinians' right to self-determination. I'm actually afraid to tell my brothers about Canada. They'll have to find out on their own. This is really distressing for a lot of Jews. Yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, I I actually agree with this move. Uh, I mean, a major it's a major departure since Canada declined the same resolution 40 times before. And, uh, of course, Israel and the U.S. voted against. I mean... I'm not saying, you know, they're not voting against Israel in a sense, but Canada voting in support of Palestinians' right to self-determination, I don't see how that's a bad thing. I mean, I I support the right of Israel to exist. Sure, absolutely. But let's face it, the way they've been treating Palestinians back and forth, it's like, yeah, come on. This needs to be, this needs to stop. And the right for for Palestinians to self-determination, I don't see how that's a bad move. Well, if you talk about it, you know, in theoretical terms, it's not. But if you get down to what is actually happening Mm. and the aggression of the Palestinians and their desire to see all Jews just drop dead today, thank you, that would be wonderful, and pushed out, now you get into defensive tactics, which is controversial in a lot of ways. And I think it would be nice to have somebody on the show um, or two people that could give us their views on it. That would be, that would be interesting. A, it's, it is so complex and it's gotten worse and it is polarizing. So it's always a good, a good topic for discussion. And if any of our listeners have any opinions or ideas, send them in and we'll read Yeah, them. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, speaking of changes, you guys see that the BC legislature right here uh, raised a trans flag for the first time. I yeah. did. November 20th, which was the Trans Day of Remembrance, uh, to commemorate the violence against trans people. Um, Mitzi Dean, which is the Parliamentary Secretary for Gender Equality, said over 30, uh, sorry, 300 died last year worldwide. Um, 70% of trans youth in Canada have faced discrimination and sexual harassment. Uh, 36% of them are actually threatened while still in school. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's an interesting uh, move and, you know, uh, good, good for the, uh, the trans community. Well, the the more governments, municipal governments, local governments, um, states and so forth, recognize that these these are are people who belong in our society and normalize the views toward them, the better it is. Every little bit helps because it helps to build in people's minds, oh, okay, well, this is, you know, diversity is a good thing and and the, the government's behind it. The bigots are losing the war, whether you like it or not. And yeah. There was also the story that we didn't quite cover, but we should make a, a little blurb about it. Um, Chilliwack, 
a couple of months ago voted against putting in one of those yes. rainbow uh, rainbow. I remember that. That was the council, but the people in Chilliwack decided, screw you, and they actually painted something like 14 of them. I know. Yeah, so, so you know, whether you like it or not, it's 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 happening, it's here, uh, you know, accept it. Uh, and, you know, you, you guys have already lost. You don't even... The, well, I'm talking to the biggest here. They've already lost, you know, and hooray for acceptance, you know. Yeah, um, it's so Canadian. You. you know, it's... I mean, why, why go out and protest, you know, with... But we do that, too. Why go out and, and protest with a sign when you can do something that's as glorious mm. as painting, you know, the rainbow on... Uh, yes. Something permanent that's a reminder and it's, it's such goodwill. You know, it's just—it's wonderful. I congratulate everybody that uh, that that put the the the, uh, the rainbow yep. on on the the crossing. And it also speaks loudly to what we've been saying here on the show forever. The people that are in power are just not in touch with the general public. Yeah. Uh, it also there's a generational gap here. You know, the yeah. the older generation, the ones that are against this, they're still in power, yeah. uh, but they don't reflect the majority of the will of the people. Yeah. And it, it unfortunately also speaks to the apathy that we have when it comes to politics and how the younger generations really need to get in there and make a change. And this 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 uh, story is a perfect example. Why would the city council and all that vote no? And all of a sudden the people turn around and say, yeah, let's do it. It kind of shows the dissonance there between the, the, the ruling party, quote unquote, and the will of the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last but not least, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, ever, ever heard of this guy? No. Is, well, it, is, he, is he from Canada? Yeah, he's some weirdo down oh, in the States. Okay. Orange guy. Uh, he's not known for being really tech savvy. And uh, <laughs> there was a picture uh, when he was doing a, a scrum with the reporters that somebody took that his notes. Uh, there was a picture of his notes in his hand, and it showed that he writes kind of really badly in big blocky letters. Oh, well, no. BuzzFeed asked one of their graphic designers, and I, I gave a guy by the name of Mark Davis, to create a new font. <laughs> so now matching the, the Donald Trump's handwriting. So now there's a new font called Tiny Hands. The this. Tiny Hands font. This is available to download, and you can actually download this on your computer. <laughs> And type, which of course will kind of print it in the uh, the, the the style of the dawn. <laughs> so, so now you can have the best words and <laughs> write bigly lines too. <laughs> so if you were to down, if you were to download download in that font, huge. <laughs> I put impeachment myself. Oh, nice one. Yes. <laughs> So, what word would you put down? I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't even know. So many things. Yeah. There are. Mango Mussolini would probably be one of my top. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for this, A's. My dear Nancy, you got a top ten for us? Of course I do. It's a top five, because there were... There were so many things to get into ten. I figured I'd better do five, or we'll be Are we, here for are we two getting weeks. just lazy at the end of the year? We're going down five, and eventually well, it's just going to be the top. We're getting ready yeah. for hibernation. <laughs> Maybe Ex- that's it. Exactly. It's, it's cold. It's get, well, no, it's not cold. It's getting chilly. It's absolutely hibernation that I'm talking about because the top ten are the most isolated places in the world. So. <laughs> So, and there are 10 of them. There are, there are more than 10. But the top five, just to get into some of the details of why they're isolated, I think are interesting. So the first one... I left to the Valley Studio? Yeah. <laughs> so the <laughs> first one, right off the bat, has to do with hibernation and in a strange way with Trump as well. So that's kind of funny. Oh. If I can get through the name of the place, we're good. 
It's Ittoquartomit. Ittoquartomit. I T T O Q Q O R T O O R M I T, and it's in Greenland. What the hell did they isolate there? The alphabet? Let's <laughs> <laughs> take all yeah. of the weird letters. That's right. <laughs> this is all the weird letters go to rest. Like a double Q. I have never seen a double Q in my life, I don't think. No. no. It's Greenland, so it's got to be Icelandic or something. Like yeah, that. But, but believe me, the, what, the, or, what's, what's anyway. even harder than the name is living in this place. <laughs> so yeah. we know Greenland has all of... <laughs> Excuse me. All of the natural resources of zinc, lead, copper, gold, iron ore, oil, yep. all ice, of those kinds of lots things. Of ice. But and you, so you'd think there'd be, you know, a, a lot of people there. However, um, this is known globally as the remotest ha- inhabited community in the Western Hemisphere. There are 450 residents. They've settled between Northeast Greenland National Park and Scoresby Sund, which is the largest national park and fjord on Earth. So one of the reasons it's, it's a rem- is, uh, um, inhabited by so few people is that for nine months of the year, the sea around there is completely frozen, shutting off all ocean travel. So if you want to reach the town during those months, you have to hike in, use a snowmobile, or dog sled in. Oh. So it really is is remote. But if you need to leave quickly, the only way out is a helicopter or a boat. But that's only during the summer months. So you're really stuck there. So due to the sounds, the, the town's isolation, everything has to be transported in during the warm months when the um, ice melts enough to allow ships in the harbor. But, Damn. Yeah, there are a few creature com- uh, comforts. I mean, if you want to go someplace that really is remote and you like cold weather nine months of the year, this is for you. But, so the creature comforts, uh, thank, thank you to some help from Denmark, they have a power station, they have an engineer engineering workshop, they've got a doctor and a nurse, a small hospital, and they have some teachers there to uh, work in the small local school. And the harbor master can receive email and faxes, and wow. so he can remain in contact. Wow. Yeah. Can you? Can we get a travel brochure for that? I'd like to send out to one of my exes. Yeah, actually, there, um, there, there are tourists that, that wow. go there. They go from, yeah, the ones that go on Arctic tours and safaris like to go there. But even so, you know, and for 450 people, they welcome visitors. <laughs> but I don't know how, I don't know where you'd stay. You might have to stay, you know, some houses you might have to stay in. They probably have cold. something set up for, like, there's visitors. There's an igloo outside somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's, I that's pretty igloo. substantial. That's 450. So they're number five. Number four is called... Migingo Island, M-I-G-I-N-G-O, and this is in Africa near Lake Victoria, but unfortunately it's also considered a slum, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's really a terrible place, it's made up mostly of fishermen, there are 500 people on the island, Um, there's only a half acre of land there, and it's inaccessible um, except by by boat, but it really is. It's a it's a dirty, awful place, according to people that have been there and, and everything that I've read. In 1991, two Kenyan fishermen claimed to have been the first two men to settle there, um, and at the time, it was just weeds and birds and snakes. And then in 2004, uh, more people 
uh, came, um, but uh, the because there's um, a large number of, of, of um, uh, perch, there's a lot of fishermen there, but the people on there really don't care. It's crowded, um, the houses are made of recovered tin, and um, uh, other scavenged materials. There are four bars, a hair salon, several brothels, and a tiny port. Does that sound well? Of course there's four bars and a brothel. Yeah, so <laughs> prostitution runs rampant and filth plagues the island. But some people there have cell phones to connect to the outside world. But if, if you're, you know, if you if you really like dirt and scum and prostitution, this is the place for you. Isolated and crappy. I feel Absolutely. like you would want to be a little bit careful, though. Yeah, I would think so. But if you like fish, you know. <laughs> yeah, you like your perch. Yeah. Okay. You really so, gotta love your perch. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Moving from. Um, Africa to Antarctica, there's Via Las Estrellas. Um, so you'd think that there were a lot of endless ice and penguins, um, but Via Las Estrellas, which is Star's Town, has 14 homes, one banker, a post office, a school with two teachers, a gym, and a church. And wow. They also, yeah, and they also have a, a souvenir shop. So um, this is a Chilean town. <coughs> And they uh, have 15 residents during the summer and 80 during the winter. People serving time on, uh, they have the base that's there and people uh, only spend two years there uh, and then they go back to Chile. Um, they have a hospital, in case you need a hospital, uh, dental clinic, pharmacy, but limited facilities and only one doctor and nurse and they have to fly them out um, to uh, South America. So they have to fly them from Antarctica into um, uh, into South America. And not only is this place remote, but if you want to go there for any extended amount of time, you have to have your appendix removed. Because the, yeah, it, because there's only a doctor with basic training oh. and no surgical expertise. So everybody, even kids, if they go there, they have to have their because I mean with appendicitis, it kind of it's a little bit urgent and uh, yeah, yeah. So if you're there, it's like minus two degrees Celsius, which is 28 degrees Fahrenheit. But um, if you really want an excuse to take your appendix out and go where it's really cold, that's uh, the place for you. Would you go? Would you? Go? Yeah, I don't think so. I think there's other places I'd much rather go before that. Yeah, that require less surgery yeah that's for sure number two is in australia we're just going all over the map here no kidding and and this place is called cooper petty australia and it's in the outback which is so hostile and unforgiving with scorching temperatures <laughs> that the whole place is underground you can't even get out to um to exist there and why is it there at all because of opals Mm. They discovered opals that are there. So uh, Cooper Petty is called the op opal capital of the world. So they have dugouts that keep people warm at night and cool during the day. There are 2,500 permanent residents, which is a lot considering it's it's remote. Yeah. And there's, they supposedly are thriving there. 60% of the, the population is of European descent or over 45 nationalities. So um, they have basic services, water, electricity, law and order, medical facilities, and education. So it may be 
labor mode, but it certainly isn't lacking in all all the essentials. Um, yeah, they've got schools from pre-kindergarten to 12th grade, and it's the opal mining that brings into town uh, money and tourism. Um, so if you'd like a warm, going from the Antarctic to a warm place that's remote, that's the place for you. Okay. That, that would be interesting for like a short visit, just because with everything yeah. being underground. Yeah, shopping is underground. Everything's underground. But like a short visit. I don't do heat I, well. We no. can become the mole people. Yeah, the I don't. I don't. People. I don't think it would be a place. I mean, I like hot weather, but but not uh, not that not that you know, limiting and, and and harsh. So the number one place um, that is remote that you can consider on your list is. Another one, Omayakan, Russia, O-Y-M-Y-A-K-O-N. And this place um, is so cold that your eyelashes will freeze when you're outside. Frostbite is part of your daily life. It, it, interestingly, I've had that. Yeah, cars have to keep have to keep running constantly because their batteries die so people go through batteries like crazy so i'm not going there because if i go there i'm going to lose my entire left arm yeah yeah (laughs) along with your two feet it goes minus 50 degrees celsius Mm -hmm. which is minus 58 degrees fahrenheit so it's the last it sounds like it'd be the last place on earth where people could go 500 brave souls is residence and it has actually earned the title of the coldest permanently occupied human settlement in the world. Mm -hmm. So the nearest city is 927 kilometers or 576 miles away, and it's only a few hundred miles from the Arctic Circle. This is wonderful. It's dark up to 21 hours a day. And in 1933, the temperature reached an all-time low of minus 68 Celsius, which is I feel minus like the only nine. ones that can handle the cold better than Canadians are the Russians. Oh, I know. <laughs> it it it's un, unbelievable. Oh, yeah, and it's it is hard, but people, uh, you know, the, the, there's a constant layer of permafrost. It prevents farming. Everything has to be brought in. Everything, it, it, however, everything is naturally frozen if you want it to be natural frozen. No conveniences in the town due to extreme cold and remote location. Um, any pipes freeze within hours. But yeah. people, people live there and animal furs and hides are about the warmest thing that you can do. I have no idea why people stay. I mean, <laughs> no, can you, why would people stay? I mean, they like the harshness. I honestly, I don't know. They're just staying as far away as they can from Donald Trump. Yeah, to be I, fair, I think so. In the zombie apocalypse, those motherfuckers are safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those zombies ain't getting there. <laughs> yeah, actually, that could be, you know, the crux of a good. <laughs> A, a zombie apocalypse story. Well, the funny you thing know. is, if you have a dead body, it'd be so cold, it would really animate. It kind of would freeze there, right? You need the heat yeah. of the, the, the warmth of the human body to get the muscles moving. Really. Well, even here, if you were to go stark naked, you'd freeze your ass off too, literally. Yeah, no, you yeah. don't. I've done it before. <laughs> there? <laughs> I don't think you've done it there. <laughs> Anyway, no, I don't think I have. <laughs> anyway, anybody really wanting to get away from politics and Donald Trump and all the, and the tiny hands font, 
you you got your choice of heat heat and, and ice <laughs> we still have our eyes set on new zealand for a future uh, anniversary honeymoon kind of getaway yeah i'll give you the list there <laughs> thank you, you my dear Nancy. Top five. that was great yeah my dear kirsten you have another brilliant moment for us i do brought to you by religion and we all know what's coming up next month right it's christmas is it really? It That's is. Why I have a snowman in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> Only one. I hear there's another one. Yeah, there's another one around the corner. <laughs> so, there we go. Just a little mic adjustment. Liberty Council, the religious right hate group, has <laughs> once again released its annual naughty and nice list. Oh. Telling Christians where they ought to shop over the winter. Oh. Remember how I did this last year? Yes, I remember that. I don't know if I did the year before. I don't think I did the year before, but I did it last year. So just as a <laughs> refresher, the nice list includes companies that promote Christmas by name and Jesus. The naughty list... Includes the companies that say happy holidays because they allegedly censor Christmas or at least fail to show enough Christmas cheer. That'd be Starbucks. Mm. Starbucks is on the naughty list. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Each year they publish a new naughty and nice list of retailers who either censor or celebrate Christmas. Liberty Council encourages you to give the gift of Christmas back to the companies who support it. If retailers choose to profit from Christmas while pretending it does not exist, we encourage you to politely explain why and then patronize their com- competitors. Yeah, you you go right ahead and walk into a store, explain that Jesus is a reason for the season while you buy a Yule log. You go right ahead and do that. <laughs> and in short, the naughty stores are the ones that acknowledge the existence of Jews and Muslims and atheists in their holiday marketing campaigns and use language that's inclusive of everybody. Oh, no. All the nice stores are rewarded by LC for treating Christians as the special snowflakes they think they are. It's pretty amazing that Christianity has become synonymous with non-inclusivity. It really is, right? It, it kind of has, yeah. For, for the faith that says loves everybody <laughs> and everything's about love. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah. So, as I did last year, I've pulled a few from the list, from the naughty and the nice list. So, on the nice list, we have American Eagle Outfitters, Bath and Body Works, Best Buy, Hallmark, Best Buy. big surprise there. Wow. Best Buy? Hmm. Best Buy. I wouldn't have thought that. The Home okay. Depot, Lowe's, okay. Sears, and Walmart. Hmm. Well, Sears just went bankrupt, didn't they? <laughs> well, they're on the nice list. Oh. Posthumously nice. <laughs> oh. And a few that we have on the naughty list. And again, there's more. I just picked a few. On the naughty list, we have Barnes & Noble, Burlington Coat Factory, Gap Inc., which includes Old Navy, Banana Republic, and Athleta, Target, and Walgreens. Walgreens? Hmm. On the naughty list. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have thought that's a surprise in a way. But Target, I hope they stay on the naughty list forever. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I don't care whether you say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, like... Whatever you want to say, if you're just wishing me holiday cheer or whatever, whatever, like, thank you. Yeah, you're trying to do something nice and pleasant and, you know, just to, you know, get you in a a nice mood. It's just ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're already playing Christmas music. Yeah. Will these same Christians be so uh, angry if you went to them and said, happy Kwanzaa? Yeah. 
which is really funny because most of the Christian music, most of the Christmas music was written by Jews anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the irony of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's the naughty and nice list. And then moving on, okay, we are moving a little bit away from Christmas for this one. Ooh, uh, goodness. What would you do if you ascended to the throne to rule a major world power? What would I do? What would you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd probably pinch myself to see if I'm dreaming this, first of all. Well, if you're the new emperor of Japan, you go on a government-funded date with a sun goddess and say it's part of your religious tradition. Oh, I don't see anything the matter with that. <laughs> so, so, so you have a date with the sun goddess? I'm, yep. I'm, I'm interested. <clears throat> so, Emperor Naruhito began his reign earlier this past May and took part in a formal enthronement ritual last month, showing that tradition is incredibly important to him. Yes. He just took that to a new level by going to a feast with a so-called sun goddess. Hmm. Now, when she's sun goddess, she's not like a representative of sun chips or something like that, right? She's, no. Okay. Goddess of the actual sun. The actual sun. Wow. Uh, since he formally ascended the chrysanthemum throne at the start of May, Naruhito has been undertaking a series of ceremonies and rites. And on Thursday night, he will take part in a mystical 2.7 billion yen or $24.8 million ritual known as Daijosai. Or right of great feasting. Well, if that doesn't impress so, a girl, I don't know what. Yeah. Exactly. So how how does does it say how the sun goddess manifests herself? You know, it so does that you not. know he's got he's on the date. Did he? Did he and meet does a, his wife object? Did he meet a Christian mingle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which will there see was plenty of fish. <laughs> Which will see him sharing a banquet with the Shinto deity Amaterasu, the sun goddess traditionally claimed by the Japanese imperial family as one of its divine ancestors. Preparations for the ritual began months ago when the shell of a tortoise was baked until it fractured. The cracks in the shell were then subject to an act of divination to determine where the rice to be used in the daijosai should be grown. According to this is 2018, I can't believe we're talking about cracked tortoises' shells. My God! According to Japanologist John Breen, who has written about the ceremony, in this case, the rice was planted in fields in Kyoto and Toji- Tochiji prefectures. Oh, thank goodness, it's Tochiji. Right? <laughs> you have been to Hokkaido, there would have been a total blasphemy. <laughs> uh, interest, interesting to traditionalists, I suppose. But in the context of Japanese culture, it isn't as common as you might think. In fact, while the tradition itself is customary, the fact that the government is paying for it is being protested by activists who support secular secularization. Yeah, you know shit. You know uh, for what you go on a date with the sun goddess, she'll burn you. Well, the imperial household says the tradition is integral to an enthronement, but critics say it compromises Japan's separation of religion and state. Under Japan's constitution, the state must refrain from religious activity and cannot fund religious institutions. Well, this is all fancy work for basically saying, I don't want to pay for your stupid party. I don't want a taxpayer as a taxpayer to pay for your stupid party. (laughs) Doesn't this kind of sound like the government is paying for something religious here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, of course, this happened when his father underwent the right in 1990. 
A bunch of citizens launched legal suits against the government's involvement, and those cases were ultimately dismissed. So we can we can imagine that's probably going to end the same way. I hope Godzilla crushes that party. <laughs> <laughs> That would be fitting, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. That would be entertaining. The Sun yeah, Goddess versus Godzilla. I love it. No, that is. That's, that, that sounds uh, like a movie. That's a nice movie already. already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll oh. start making the t-shirts now. But it's, it's nice that, you know, on the show we, we see a lot of Christianity, of course, and we see some a lot of Islam and we see some Judaism, but it's nice to actually hear from other crazy religions out there, which in this case would be Shintoism, I guess. With the divine emperor in Japan, so yeah, it's nice to hear that all religions are stupid. Perfect. Thank you so much, hey, my dear. Wait a minute. Hanukkah is Jew. You know the Jewish Hanukkah is wonderful because you get seven presents. What's so terrible about that religion? Anytime you get seven presents rather than one on Christmas, I think that's well, if the good. religion was just based on giving seven presents, well, there'd be <laughs> much of an issue with that. But that's not just the case, is it? Oh, you got to. Oh, you're saying you got to put up with Hanukkah in order to get the presents. Exactly. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I don't want to wrap myself in plastic because I want to fly over a cemetery <laughs> and stuff like that. And gotcha. I don't. I, was try, I tried to ringlets. It doesn't fit. It doesn't suit my face. Like, <laughs> we can wrap you in bubble wrap. Yeah, I tried. I tried f- f- waving a dog above my head. To, for, for Yom Kippur it didn't work I need, <laughs> apparently I need a chicken oh. <laughs> <laughs> alright thank you so much ladies so when we come back we'll be talking to Jeff Cohen of FAIR and oh I'm looking forward to that very week. very yes. interesting yeah because you know what I want to ask him the questions because we've been saying things on the show for years now and I want to see if he is going to actually vindicate us or not yeah. so that's going to be very interesting So he's a, he's a fantastic source he's been around for a long time so You stay right with us. Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. What's up, heathens? I'm the Godless Engineer, and it would be great if you could join me on my YouTube channel. Over there, we post videos every day. On Mondays, we normally post a response video of some kind. Tuesdays, we post our daily Bible podcast that I record with KC. Wednesdays, we read comments. Thursdays and Fridays is conspiracy theory and flat earth stuff. And we have a new segment that runs Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays that is Today I Learned from KC. Hi, y'all. So please join us over on the YouTube channel, Godless Engineer, where we always stand up and use our voice. century, if emissions keep rising, the average temperature on Earth could go up another four to eight degrees. What I'm saying is the planet's on fucking fire. There are a lot of things we could do to put it out. Are any of them free? 
No, of course not. Nothing's free, you idiots. Grow the fuck up. You're not children anymore. I didn't mind explaining photosynthesis to you when you were 12, but you're adults now, and this is an actual crisis. Got it? I don't know where the lights are taking us, but something in the night is dangerous. And nothing's holding back. All right, our next guest is a journalism professor. He is the founder of FAIR, that stands for Fair Inaccuracy in Reporting. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Mr. Jeff Cohen, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. Great to be with you. You say that now. You might regret this in a few minutes. <laughs> Jeff, uh, maybe I'll, uh, we'll start uh, for people that might not know you or what you uh, you did there with FAIR. Maybe you'd be so kind to give us a quick bio as to who Jeff Cohen is. Um, well, I've done a lot of things. I was briefly a civil liberties attorney in Los Angeles. Wow. I've been a uh, peace and justice activist since I was 16. Nice. That's more than 50 years ago. That's the main thing people need to know. I've also, as you say, I've been an associate professor of journalism. I've uh, written books, articles. I produce documentaries. Um, my, when I produce doc, co-produce documentaries, I'm, I'm working with a bunch of Canadians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we produced one movie in 2016 called All Governments Lie. Um, and the sub subtitle truth deception and the spirit of IF stone with that same group of Canadian filmmakers. We've got a, a newer movie out called the corporate coup d'etat, which is about the corporate takeover of politics in our country in the U S and elsewhere. Nice. Um, you know, in keeping with what's going on in my country, um, when I introduced the movie, and I explain that uh, the film team is largely Canadians. I say, I don't mind accepting your criticisms during the Q&A after the movie uh, because I can do what's fashionable nowadays, which is just blame the foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to introduce you to Professor Joel Backen, which is a constitutional professor right here in, in, uh, in Vancouver. And he did what? a book in... Uh, uh, many many years ago, with a movie called The Corporation, I think I think you two would get along just fantastically well. Well, wait the 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 long documentary, The Corporation. Yes, yes, yeah, it's it's a classic. Oh, absolutely it, is, absolutely is. Uh, yeah, he, we considered this uh, in some ways a continuation of that. All the film team worshipped that movie, um, uh, and I should say that the director of these two documentaries I just mentioned, All Governments Lie and the Corporate Coup d'Etat, mm-hmm. is a Vancouver resident named Fred Peabody, who you should interview on a later podcast. Fred Peabody. I will write this down. Fred yeah. Peabody. Perfect. Send you, I'll send you his email. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Actually, uh, Joel Bagan, we had uh, just a couple months ago. He's a friend, he's a friend of the show. He's a, he's a great, great guy. He's actually coming out with another one. Believe it or Great. not, at the beginning of uh, 2020. So that's what he said to us. Great. Yes. All right. So you you found it fair because <laughs> I'm sure your skills and your criticism of the media right now these days is certainly warranted. So what exactly is fair? Um, fair s- set out in 1986 to analyze... Uh, the content of media, who gets on the air, who gets on TV regularly or public radio and who doesn't get on, what points of view are represented, uh, what classes are represented, 
uh, in this country. There are think tanks that are on the right wing, the left wing, and everything in between. But on television, the think tanks that are quotable are, are always either corporate centrist or right wing. Um, so through decades of research, FAIR has demonstrated the corporate bias of the media. Uh, besides looking at the content of the news, FAIR has also been very good about analyzing who owns the news and who sponsors the news. Mm. And after you start raising questions about the content and how it tends to be in a narrow spectrum from the corporate center to the far right, excluding sometimes half of the public's attitudes. And you see that the people interviewed as experts over and over come from that narrow spectrum of corporate center to far right. It's what I call the General Electric to General Motors spectrum. When you see the bias in the content of the news, then it leads you to wonder why does it turn out this way and that's what has led fair to analyze who owns and sponsors the news in our country uh, there are a small number of giant same thing in Canada small number of giant conglomerates that control most of the news media mm -hmm. and um, and in our country we don't have like a powerful CBC we have uh, mostly a corporate commercial news system. And if you watch the nightly news, as I do every night, uh, along with 25 million other people, the sponsors of the nightly news are the fossil fuel industry, the big pharmaceutical industry, the health insurance companies. And it's when you see who owns the news media and who sponsors the news, it's no accident that there are very few anti-corporate views in the news. Mm -hmm. And that's why when, when Bernie Sanders had his breakthrough in 2015, he was saying things that are totally true that were never, ever heard in the news media. And young people hearing this stuff for the first time, especially first time in mainstream media, that three U.S. citizens have more wealth than or the same amount of wealth as half the bottom half of our population. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of statistics that are indisputably true, that are shocking, and yet were never heard in mainstream news media until Bernie Sanders fought to get into mainstream news media as a presidential candidate. Um, it sort of uh, showed why a group like FAIR was needed, and more importantly than that, and by the way, anyone can go to the website at FAIR.org, F-A-I-R, FAIR.org. More importantly than the need for FAIR, it showed, I think, millions of people that they can't trust the commercial corporate media, and many people in our country for the last 5, 10, 15 years have been building as as customers, consumers, donors, independent news outlets like Democracy Now!, The Young Turks, CommonDreams.org, TruthDig.com, TruthOut.org, CounterPunch. There's been a real boom in independent progressive news coverage and news outlets. 
Now, as Canadians, we uh, we have a tendency to look at what happens in the states with great interest, and I must admit, we've we've been baffled for the past couple of years. I mean, you talk about Bernie Sanders and how he's boycotted by the media; it continues. But let's go back throughout history uh, because we often ask, you know, how did this all begin? And my 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 little pet theory is this all really started with Ronald Reagan and yeah. him basically deregulating media. Would you agree with that? Yes. It started, the deregulation of corporations started a couple years before Reagan, but the deregulation of media began with Reagan. Uh, I've, I've written articles and books about what you just said, which is beginning in the early 80s, we used to have something called the Fairness Doctrine, mm-hmm. which said that if you have a TV or radio broadcast license, you have to cover... Um, issues of public concern and you have to do it by giving uh, uh, points of view that are different than the ownership of your TV or radio station. And that was abolished under Reagan. Um, the other thing was uh, the media companies started merging and they merged into fewer and fewer corporate hands. Mm. And that was uh cheered on by the Reagan administration. In the 1980s, we had these three big broadcast networks, CBS, NBC, and ABC, and all three of them were taken over by bigger companies. And these bigger companies all said something that had never been the case in U.S. broadcast history, which is, uh, now that we own you, you and the news department have to produce a profit. In the old days, before Reagan, the TV networks were owned by actual broadcasters. They weren't owned by conglomerates. They were owned by people whose business was broadcasting. And it was understood in broadcasting in the 50s and 1960s and 70s that the news division takes a loss. You make your profit through entertainment programming, but you provide your your news department, your TV news department at a network level as a public service. That was the attitude. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't great. It wasn't balanced. It still had a corporate bias, but it wasn't as bad as what it became after Reagan. And I should point out that uh, after 12 years of Reagan and Bush, We got eight years of a Democrat named Bill Clinton, Mm -hmm. and he encouraged the concentration of media into fewer and fewer corporate hands. He was responsible for a corrupt piece of legislation. He was the Democratic president. The uh, uh, Speaker of the House was the Republican Newt Gingrich. Mm -hmm. Together, media conglomerates were funding both parties and they passed the Telecommunications Act of 1996 that actually expedited the concentration of all this opinion-shaping power and media power in the hands of fewer and fewer companies. Mm-hmm. So, and, and after Reagan did his deregulation, this is what gave rise to, uh, I guess, the, what we have today, a conservative, especially conservative radio, like people like uh, Fox News and Rush Limbaugh, right? Yes, Um Uh, Actually, I'm a co-author of a book called The Way Things Aren't, Rush Limbaugh's Reign of Error. Mm. And um, yeah, there's no doubt that the conglomeration of the media 
and the invention of satellite technology allowed this once obscure Sacramento right-wing radio host who couldn't get the facts straight if it hit him in the face, if they hit him in the face. Uh, he, he went national, and then all these other right-wingers went national. And remember, if you had a balanced spectrum in the news, they're all, all owned by these corporations. Some of them are middle-of-the-road corporations. Some of them are right-wing corporations. There are, they are, there are no giant conglomerates or corporations that are left-wing. I've never heard of any. Uh, so if your media system and all the talk radio networks, if they're owned by these big corporations, they're going to be shy about giving a mic to a critic of corporations like uh, perhaps Ralph Nader, but they would, uh, who actually documents what he says and uses facts mm -hmm. and data. So uh, what, what the owners of the media are afraid of is if they presented a balanced spectrum where they had right-wingers, middle-of-the-roaders, and left-wingers, that the left-wingers would be attacking their sponsors or the owners and attacking their greed. Mm. And they are right. And that's why left-wing points of view are so rarely heard in our commercial media. The, the closest we had in our area, we're a, a, a little bit east of Vancouver, and the closest U.S., big U.S. town to us is Bellingham, Washington. And for a number of years, they did have some left-wing um, radio hosts like Tom Hartman. Um, yeah. But I, at the end, I think it, it was a really good four- or five-year run um, around the, uh, the elections in 2016 leading up to that. And then all of a sudden, they, they were gone. And yeah. it was the a shame one... because they did give some balance. And I think that the the station was also out of Seattle. But it was a real shame because that was the only place we could get any progressive views, you know, whatsoever. Yeah, I don't think it's a it's an exaggeration to say that talk radio is 85, 90 percent right wing in this country. Uh, Tom Hartman, it's good that you mentioned him. He's one of the only exceptions. Uh, he has persevered even as he's lost stations. He picks up news stations and he's big on the Internet. Um, he's on some of the Pacifica non-commercial stations. And Tom Hartman is a real exception to the rule. If we were a completely totalitarian society, there'd be no exceptions. That's the difference between us and communist China, for example, mm -hmm. that in our country we have some exceptions. And you pointed out one, that Tom Hartman is the biggest progressive voice, uh, but he's probably heard uh, one-fifth, one-eighth as strongly as a Rush Limbaugh or a Sean Hannity on the far right. Yeah, interestingly enough, every Friday on Tom's um, programs, he had Bernie Sanders. Um, Correct. Who would, yeah, who would, <laughs> would come in and, and talk about what was going on in the Senate and what was going on in the government. So when Bernie decided to run for president, I think I was probably one out of ten people in the, in the world that knew who Bernie was, you know, because I had listened so faithfully to Tom and therefore exactly. listened, yeah. listened to Bernie. So it was good knowing that Bernie was running 
thing because I, I knew his views. I knew the kind of person he was. So Tom has done an awful lot of good on his own and then by bringing in other progressive voices. And it's a shame that he is so limited in uh, the, the, in his audiences right now. Okay, well, what I don't yeah. understand about all this, though, is you know, like, like corporations, I can understand, you know, they want to favor a bit right wing because, you know, profitability and all that. But they're, they're also more concerned. It's a bit like, you, you know, for example, when Fox, uh, the Fox uh, station bought The Simpsons, you know, they, 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 they bought The Simpsons and they play The Simpsons, even though The Simpsons on a regular basis make uh, fun of Fox. But they don't care because it's about profit so isn't there a market for left-wing radio as well even though they might say okay well you know there's going to be a way for for a corporation to still be profitable even though they play left-wing radio um i wish that was the case i mean i've been making the argument you made to corporate owners of media for for 40 years and they don't buy it um they're worried about advertiser flight really um you, the Simpsons is a great uh, uh, satirical uh, program, and it's on Fox. It's always been on Fox. You can you can sometimes have entertainment and comedy that uh, occasionally will make fun of the owner, but you can't have news. Um, so, uh, and trust me, I've made the argument you made that if you had these engaging progressive voices. Even though you're there, they may be critical of big corporations on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Your viewership, your listenership, your readership will go up, and people don't buy that. I mean, I wrote a whole book about it. I was in the mainstream media myself. I was an on-air pundit um, for years on CNN. I was on Fox News every week for five years. In the first five years of Fox News, I was the exception. Um, and then I was on MSNBC briefly until they censored us all because we questioned the invasion of the uh, of Iraq. Mm-hmm. I tell the whole story in my book, Cable News Confidential, My Misadventures in Corporate Media. Um, but in that book, I describe what happened to me. And uh, I don't know, I, I think some of you must be old enough to remember that CNN had a program and it was sometimes the biggest program by viewership each day competing with Larry King and that program was called CNN's Crossfire. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And uh, I was a regular guest on the show and for a while uh, they were testing me to be the uh, permanent co-host from the left. But what they were worried about was I was known as a critic of one of the most powerful forces in U.S. society, and that was a corporation named General Electric. Mm-hmm. And General Electric was the main sponsor of the program. And when the boss talked to me, he said, what about you and General Electric? And I said, well, I'm not gonna attack General Electric on principle when there's no reason to, but when General Electric is involved in a story, no, I'm not gonna censor myself. I'm gonna say General Electric is part of the problem here. And I think that was enough to make sure I never got that job. Uh, So I think that you can make all the argument. And by the way, I was handsomer, smarter, funnier than all the other people they tested. (laughs) And and trust me, looks mattered. I'm talking 1980, no, 1996. Uh, And I, I talk about this. I was a favorite of some of the TV critics who write for big daily newspapers, they thought CNN should hire me. But you know, what we knew all along is 
if you're on the left, you can't represent the left on U.S. television. They have what we call the center-right spectrum, the GE to GM spectrum. We used to run full-page ads in magazines, FAIR did, and they'd have pictures of all the people allegedly representing the left, like Michael Kinsley. If you watch Crossfire, you know that Kinsley represented the left every night for six years. And at the end of the six years, a reporter said, you know, there's controversy. People on the left say you're not on the left. How would you describe your own politics? And he says, well, I'm a wishy-washy moderate. <laughs> and so, so the ads we ran, in full-page ads on the back of uh, magazines or in newspapers, it had pictures of people like Michael Kinsley, Mark Shields, who represents the left on CNN and PBS for years, uh, and the headline, the bold headline, I'm not a leftist, but I play one on TV. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a it's a perpetual problem. I've written volumes about it. And the argument uh, that, you know, this could help your short term profits. Look, your ratings will go up. They understand that. But they also understand that they're going to deal with advertiser flight. And they're not willing to do that. If you're a comedy or a drama uh, on some of these big conglomerates, you can get away with occasional making fun of the boss. But in terms of attacking the corporate system on a daily basis, you can't do that in U.S. news. Wow. So, so I hate to say this now, but... It, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the American public doesn't seem to have a lot of faith in media anymore. And now, of course, with the advent of the Internet, you essentially have, quote unquote, independent media. Uh, is that a good thing? Yeah. Well, the Internet cuts both ways. If it wasn't for the Internet, we wouldn't have had this boom in independent media that we've had. Mm -hmm. uh, independent journalistic media, independent progressive media has never been bigger in the history of our country. There's millions of people every day that get their news from non-corporate journalistic sources like CommonDreams.org, like Democracy Now, mm -hmm. like TruthDig.com. These are serious journalists, many of them uh, refugees from mainstream media, uh, uh, putting covering all the stories they want to cover without worrying about uh, corporate owner censorship or corporate advertiser censorship. So there's this boom and it couldn't have happened without the Internet. That's the good news. The bad news is, while the Internet is a good forum for journalism, it's a good forum for fact checking corporate propaganda. It's also a good forum for out and out right wing disinformation, right wing hoaxes. Uh, it's possible Trump wouldn't have been elected without right wing hoaxes. Mm -hmm. um, BuzzFeed did a crucial study right after the Trump election where he beat Hillary Clinton. And they found that on the Internet, the stories that were the most shared uh, were uh, were stories that were hoaxes. Mm -hmm. And they were shared far more than the serious journalistic stories mm -hmm. that might have appeared in 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 the mainstream news outlets that were actually journalistic with real sources. The made up stuff was shared more. And so it's it's a monumental problem that the Internet and these Internet hoaxes, it preys upon people's ignorance. And uh, I've been a big advocate 
that in the U.S. educational system, we should be teaching media literacy almost from the second grade in elementary school, where you teach kids, especially girls, who are so oppressed by the advertising that makes girls and boys feel so bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. You would start in second and third grade media literacy, teaching people to be skeptical of commercials. Mm. That's and it would be a, a very engaging way of getting people to learn critical thinking. Um, and if we had more critical thinking in the educational system and in the media system, these Internet hoaxes that helped Trump win would have been laughed off. So it's a failure of the educational and the media systems that someone could say something like this. Trump has been endorsed by the Pope. <laughs> and, and and tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people are sharing it. And you have to believe, you know, I don't believe everyone are liars. I believe they're just misinformed. They're not circulating or sharing something they know to be false. They believed it to be true. Yeah. And if you didn't know enough to know that the Pope does not endorse and the Pope would never endorse, certainly would never endorse an anti, an immigrant basher like Trump. In fact, the Vatican had been polarizing with Trump, but, but there's all the hundreds of thousands, perhaps a few million people that thought it was true and they're sharing it with each other. That's the scary aspect of politics in, in the United States of America. And I should say, it's the scary thing about politics in many countries in the Western world where uh, scapegoaters of immigrants, uh, you know, circulating all sorts of mythology are gaining clout. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a scary phenomenon. What do you, what do you think, um, or I'm trying to think of how to, how to phrase it, how do you think the media is doing um, in general about um, the, the impeachment hearings? I can't hear you. Oh, how, what do you... How, how, how do you think the uh, oh. media is handling the impeachment hearings at this point? Wait, I've lost you. Uh oh, oh, can you still hear us? Yes. Now I hear you. Okay, okay. so you that. hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Heard, we heard everything you said. I, I, oh, was, okay. I was wondering what you thought about the coverage of the impeachment hearings by the uh, mainstream and cable. Well, uh, uh, it's very mixed. I mean, for a couple years now, MSNBC and CNN have been cheering on the Mueller report, the, the Mueller investigation, and putting forward night after night on CNN and MSNBC. They basically covered only one story. They call it breaking news. Every hour they repeat what was on the hour before, and they push this, uh, what is largely an exaggerated story of Russiagate that Trump was a Russian agent and Trump's campaign got elected because they colluded and conspired with Russia. Aside from the Trump Tower meeting, there's basically very little evidence to support that theory. But if you watch the so-called liberal cable news channels, what I call corporate centrist cable channels, mm. they were pushing that. And then on Fox News and right wing media, they were creating their own conspiracies uh, that the whole Mueller probe was based on a plot uh, that somehow is connected to Ukraine. Uh, but at any rate, um, 
I find most of cable TV news to be uh, just partisan BS. It's partisan uh, bullshit. And um, I encourage people to turn it off and pay attention to serious uh, news broadcasts like Democracy Now! or, or many of the others. Um, so I, I think what you had on cable news, and, and Matt Taibbi of Rolling Stone wrote a whole book about this called Hate, Inc., where these these cable channels, they get you hating your fellow Americans, but neither the liber, so-called liberal channels or the far-right channels will ever attack those who are really in power, and those are uh, the corporations. Um, so on, like on MSNBC and CNN, mm-hmm. they will almost never mention one of the biggest freedom of the press issues in our country, which is saving Internet neutrality, mm, yes. preventing Internet providers, preventing them, prohibiting them from taking websites that they don't like or do not pay them or criticize them or that they do not favor and pushing them all in the slow lane. Well, MSNBC is owned by Comcast. And CNN is owned by AT&T. Mm-hmm. And Comcast and AT&T are working hand in glove with Trump to uh, end net neutrality, uh, to end an open Internet. Holy and you almost never hear about that. They'll, they'll bash Trump, but they'll never bash their owners over net neutrality. Uh, so I, I believe it is in many ways a charade um, that uh, you have your pro-corporate Democrat channel, your pro-corporate Republican channel, uh, but there's no cable news channel uh, that uh, operates for the majority of the people. And there was actually a Canadian from Toronto, Paul Jay, who came down to the U.S. and tried to set up an alternative uh, progressive journalistic cable news channel, but it, it wasn't to be. Uh, but it's it's an important news outlet today. It's called The Real News. Mm. And um, it, it certainly could never get on any cable systems because they don't want that kind of point of view. They certainly don't want a 24-7 cable news channel that's outside of the corporate spectrum of General Electric to General Motors or Rachel Maddow to Sean Hannity, where they're both putting forward conspiracy theories that are non-journalistic. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, do you have a list of all of the outlets that you've mentioned on FAIR, or is there someplace our listeners can look them up? Because you've given a lot of really good resources that many people aren't familiar with but should be. Yeah, I could send you, on my website, uh, jeffcohen.org, if you click on... um, you go to that website, uh, and then I have a, at the top links. Mm-hmm. I mention a number. I have links to a number of these websites, uh, including the Real News, including Laura Flanders, including Free Speech TV, which is a satellite TV channel that's quite remarkable. Uh, democracynow.org. Uh, so you'll find a number of these if you go to jeffcohen.org and then hit the word links at the top. Okay, perfect. So then I can share them on my Facebook news feed and, and with others pretty easily? 
Yes. Okay, yeah, great. We'll, we'll, we'll share that in the notes of the show as yeah. well. Uh, Jeff, does FAIR sometimes look outside of the U.S. as well? Because it seems to me, as a Canadian, okay, it seems to me that there's a, there's a natural distrust of uh, authority in the U.S., uh, not just governmental authority, but even into media authority. And it seems to be stemming from maybe the way the United States became a country as a whole. And I'm kind of wondering that it doesn't seem to be some a phenomenon that's repeated in other countries. I was wondering if Fair had had a chance to compare the American response to media as opposed to the Scandinavians or another country like that. Yeah, Fair hasn't done a lot of that. Um, in As an academic, when I was in uh, at Ithaca College, I used to do a program, uh, I used to do at least one class comparing how the British media covered the impending invasion of Iraq mm. compared to the U.S. mainstream media. And the U.S. mainstream media, it was 95, 98% of it just circulated hoaxes and myths about Iraq, about Iraq having weapons of mass destruction, about Iraq uh, being in some sort of alliance with a force that they hated, which was Al-Qaeda. Um, and I, I, you compare that to the way the, the run-up to the invasion of Iraq was covered in even the BBC, and you find that it's night and day different. Hmm. Uh, the problem is, in our country, we don't have strong public broadcasting. Our public broadcasting doesn't have insulated funding. The Congress can shut off the funding and, or cut it at any time. So in our country, and the right-wing Republicans always threaten to end all funding of public broadcasting. They want it to be just another commercial. Mm -hmm. And so every time the right-wing threatens to cut off funding, public broadcasting in our country becomes even more timid, even more tepid, even more conservative. So, um, I mean, there's been a lot of comparisons written about the U.S. media system to media systems in other countries. And we're the one that's most dominated by commercial pursuits, by commercial interests. And um, in other countries, like in, you mentioned Scandinavia, in Scandinavia, uh, like in Norway, it's not just that they have powerful public broadcasting that's somewhat insulated from whoever's in power in the government. They also have government subsidies to websites and newspapers, whether they're left wing, right wing, no wing, you know, irrespective of their ideology, journalism is subsidized by the taxpayer. So it's not totally corporate in a place like Norway. But in our country, it's so commercialized and so corporate. I think it's why the U.S. public is more propagandized than other countries' publics. And in the run-up to the invasion of Iraq, which was a U.S. enterprise supported by the U.K., it's almost a case study. When you look at the U.K., they had the Murdoch press pushing for the war. Mm. But they also had BBC and a number of mainstream newspapers that were questioning Blair's evidence on why they needed to invade. We didn't have that here. Mm -hmm. All we had was some blogs. We have democracy now. We had some marginal news outlets questioning the evidence. But in Britain, you know, you had a real debate in the mainstream media, which is why so many more people were skeptical 
of the invasion. The uh, British public was against the invasion. Blair went ahead anyhow. In spite of our media bias in the U.S., half of the country was against the invasion, and Bush went ahead anyhow. Uh, but uh, there really are uh, some differences. I mean, remember, uh, you pointed out how our country was founded. Mm-hmm. You know, it was founded in a revolution against a king. And uh, the United States, the framers of the Constitution, invented something new. Most of the world was ruled by monarchs who didn't allow a freedom of the press. And in the United States, they invented freedom of the press. And now, if you go online to uh, Reporters Without Borders, which is a great organization, and they have what they call the World Press Freedom Index, if you go to that uh, list of every cu- country after country, the U.S. is somewhere around 45. There are 44 countries ahead of us mm-hmm. that have more freedom of the press. Press Almost all the countries of Europe, the countries near the top are obviously Northern Europe and Scandinavia. Um, and so it, that's what's so fascinating, that those countries that have the most freedom of the press are also the countries that have the most taxpayer subsidies of the press. Yes. Now, in our country, we get so much corporate propaganda through our media institutions that we were told and we're told every day, even during when Bernie Sanders is in the race saying we should end private insurance companies in the mainstream media. You get all this propaganda that makes you believe, wow, if we go to Medicare for all, the next step is we will be communist China (laughs) or or, you know, if you have subsidies for media and a true public broadcasting system in Canada, I think for every dollar of taxpayer money in our country that goes to public broadcasting, I think in Canada it's four or five dollars and other countries it's like 20 or 30 or 40 dollars per person to public broadcasting compared to per person in our country. Mm-hmm. But we've had all this propaganda that if the if the taxpayers fund uh, public broadcasting or websites or nonprofit news outlets, the next step is we will be communist China. And it's been decades of corporate media propaganda that makes people think everything has got to be run in this country by big corporations. They know what's best. We need to quote free market. Yep. You know, we haven't had a free market for decades. You mentioned Reagan. I mean, no president since Reagan has enforced anti-monopoly, antitrust regulations. There's never been a free market in this country for decades because every industry is taken over by a few corporations. The politicians of both parties encourage that to happen. And yet we get all this propaganda from our media about, oh, the free market and the magic of the marketplace and let the consumer bargain with the with the producer, it's a bunch of hogwash, and you can tell I'm ranting. It might be a good time for me to sign off. <laughs> no, 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 we, no, we love rants. We no, love I, rants. I, I, totally, I totally understand because it's, it's even where you get to the point that when there's an election, even up here in Canada, you hear people say all the time, "Yeah, we really need a prime minister or a president, you know, that's a businessman and you know that understands right. business and blah blah blah." Not understanding that government has nothing to do with business. We would gladly export Donald Trump to you but frankly he was a failed businessman you have these more (laughs) successful businessmen who want to run for president 
Bloomberg was a successful businessman. I mean, it all scares the hell out of me that in our country where money talks, these billionaires think that they should be the president. And Trump was a failed, you know, he's a he's a hoax. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, I'd gladly send you he he played at business. I would gladly send you. Uh, uh, Trump to be your your prime minister if we could get him out of this country. <laughs> no, hey, don't, don't do that to us. <laughs> let's, let's get him off the planet entirely. You know. Agreed. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. So now now that that things are ramping up for 2020, and there's going to be an awful lot, um, you know, on the media to try and influence voters. Are you feeling optimistic, pessimistic? Um, what are your feelings about how you think the media is going to affect um, the election coming up? Yeah. Well, again, our election never stops. Yeah. It goes on for four years. Yeah. You know, as soon as the last election happened, Trump, and, Trump announced his reelection committee. Uh, all the media covers in this country, since news is not news here, it's just soap opera, mm-hmm. it's entertainment, it's horse race. So it's always the horse race. We get poll after poll for four years. Uh, so I've written volumes. Anyone could go on my website, jeffcohen.org, or go on FAIR's website, fair.org, because we've been critiquing the media coverage. I mean, the the media system that goes from corporate center to far right they fear Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. because and and the coverage of especially Bernie and to a lesser extent Warren is just complete mythology. It's uh, we can't afford Medicare for all. Yeah. Somehow Canada can, but we can't. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you get all this this, you know, uh, Warren and and Bernie are talked about, and I'm talking about in MSNBC and CNN, which are supposedly liberal channels, they're talked about with their wild-eyed schemes. Yeah. They're impractical schemes. They're, how can we possibly afford dealing with climate change, this Green New Deal? What are they talking about? Medicare for all? How are we going to go to Medicare for all? How does that work? Who could pay for it? Um, and, you know, we, we keep whispering, Look at Canada. Look at Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not perfect, but at least everyone's covered. Yep. We have a half a million people going into bankruptcy because they get sick. Half a million people every year. I mean, in Canada, do you know the the phrase pre-existing condition? Does any Canadian <laughs> worry that a fellow Canadian might have a pre-existing condition. <laughs> That's true. It's only a phrase in our country because, uh, and anyone like Bernie or Warren who says, you know, we should we should phase out of a private insurance system and cover everyone, they're told that you want to kick 150 million people off of their private insurance and you heard this if you watched any of the Democratic debates. It was the CNN and MSNBC reporters almost parroting their advertisers, the health insurance companies, by using the health insurance company propaganda, which is you want to kick 150 million people off of their private insurance. The obvious answer is yes, they will get better insurance for less cost provided by the government because we're going to eliminate 
the literally billions of dollars in profits that these insurance companies take off the top. Uh, the average CEO salary in uh, compensation last year was uh, $14 million per person. Mm -hmm. That would no longer be in there. We'd actually be able to focus healthcare dollars to actual healthcare instead of the profiteers. But again, everyone, this is not rocket science how to explain why Medicare for all makes sense or something like it. Yeah. But in the mainstream media, it's as if we want to, they want, they want to turn us into China. You know, it's, it's utterly absurd, but it's the bias you get from both the corporate liberal outlets and the corporate right-wing outlets. The only place you can look for an actual, actual debate on the future of healthcare is you have to look at some of these independent nonprofit websites. Yeah, Jeff. Last question because I've, we've abused a lot of your time already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if if you had, if you had the power to change things or to return them back the way they were, what what would you think needs to happen in the U.S. for media to get back to more fair and balanced reporting? Yeah, I don't like. Hello. 70s in the wake of Watergate, but it was never great to go into the future. What I would do is I would start, I would have taxpayer subsidies. I would first create something we've never had, independent public broadcasting with insulated, continuous, permanent funding that couldn't be turned on or off by politicians. That's number one. Two, I would break up media conglomerates. That's something Warren talks about. Bernie talks about it. And it's why they're hated by the media conglomerates. Um, uh, you break up the conglomerates, you create more competition. You don't allow one TV company to own 200 TV channels across the country. That's what this pro-Trump outfit, Sinclair Broadcast, you go back to the old days, you want to own TV stations, you can only own six in the whole country, you can't own 200. Mm -hmm. You want to own radio stations, you can't be like Clear Channel, iHeartRadio, and own over a thousand channels, you have to own only six. I'd, I'd break it up, I'd make sure there were my uh, people of color as owners of broadcast licenses and uh, women owners of broadcast licenses. And then you would subsidize nonprofit uh, websites, whether they're right wing and they disagree with everything I've been telling you or left wing and agree with everything I've been telling you or middle of the road and agree with half of what I've been telling you, whatever they are, the uh, websites, independent nonprofit websites should be subsidized uh, by the government. If you took those media reform steps and by the way, in, uh, net neutrality is crucial. Mm. Um, then I think you'd have a, a flowering of uh, journalism and a flowering of democracy. Right now, our journalism is, is shrinking and our democracy is shrinking. The two go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Really, really appreciate that. Um, I'll certainly put the notes in the, uh, uh, the, the, the site to fair.org and uh, jeffcohen.org in the notes of the show. Uh, but before I let you go, i got to have you say, Hi, this is Jeff Cohen of Fair, and I took a left of the valley. Hi, this is Jeff Cohen of Fair, and I took a left of the valley. Fantastic. And that was Jeff Cohen. Affair. That was 
vindication as far as I'm concerned. Man, what a power. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, my goodness, that was, this is exactly what we've been saying on the show for five years now. What a powerhouse journalist he is. I, 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 <laughs> mm. What a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolute uh, pleasure. I hate to say this, but you know, I'm patting myself a bit on the back here because I almost feel like an expert now. We've, yeah. been, we've been saying exactly what Jeff has been saying to us today for the God knows how far, at least five years on the show. Yeah. Wow, yeah. so that that was pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, you certainly want to encourage uh, things like Jeff uh, Cohen and his show, uh, show, sorry, his efforts and his page to keep media uh, unbiased as much as possible. Yes. And- yeah, and he's got links on his, um, on his uh, I think it's Jeff Cohen. Dot org. He's got a lot of links to what he was mm-hmm. talking about in our in our conversation. So yeah. it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, I, a lot of American of our Americans listeners might not realize that you know, um, in, in the nineteen eighties, when Ronald Reagan basically uh, deregulated the fairness doctrine, which was, of course mm-hmm. Jeff was talking about, uh, this is really what gave birth to um, news had to be profitable. News had to sell. News had to be fast and sexy, and you know, and 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 money making. And this is why when you when you watch TV in the states as a Canadian, it's weird because you'll see you'll hear something like, "Tonight we'll tell you how to change your tire on the side of the road without getting raped." News at eleven. It's it's such a weird thing. And when you contrast to Canadian news, all of a sudden says, "Oh, great, we got new speed bumps." <laughs> You know, and it's, it's it's such a huge contrast. And you realize that because in the States, news has to be profitable all of a sudden. This is also what gave rise to Rush Limbaugh, Fox News, 24 News, 24-7, you know, uh, always with the scroll down to CNN and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't really have this up here, and I'm glad we don't because we have not deregulated our media. No, news, I mean, in the States, news is entertainment, and up here it's news. Yeah, up here it's news. So so when you have Canadians that I'll say, for example, because they're influenced by American media, say, oh, fake news. These Canadians actually don't realize what they're saying. There is no fake news as per se in Canada, because a news outlet, whether it's the CBC, whatever news outlet you have, they have to report as factually as they can. Now, it's not like they're going to be penalized if they make an error in their reporting. It happens. It happens. Uh-huh. But if if they subvertedly uh, go above the law and actually write down that, you know, something they know is factually false, yes, they will be fined by the CRTC for doing so. And heavy penalty. And you can get, get your permit yanked and all that stuff. So fake news is really essentially an American phenomenon. And now, unfortunately, this American phenomenon has, quote, tainted media all over the world. Because media is today, you know, because of a shortage of reporting and shortage of funding, what they will do is the CBC will call CNN and say, well, you guys have been reporting on this, pass us the story. And this is how you can get, quote, unquote, fake news in Canada, stuff like that. Yeah. But the outlet itself, if you have a CBC reporter itself, no, there is no such thing as fake news. And I, I think that's a very important distinction uh, to, to make about news and everything that goes on there. Yeah, it'd be great to have him as a guest after the elections. Yeah, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be interesting indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jeff Cohen, for being with us. And thank you for listening. And thank you to my co-hosts for being here with me. You can follow us at leftatvalley.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. You can send us an email at leftatvalleyatoutlook.com. Send us a five-star review where we find us. It helps us and helps others find the show. And you can also become a patron and get a lot of behind-the-scenes looks at Patreon slash LETV. Am I missing anything? 
Happy belated birthday to my wonderful wife, who I can call old for the next two weeks. Oh, boy. <laughs> Happy uh, birthday. All right, coming up. <laughs> Next week, we'll be talking to the brazen atheist, Aaron Ooh, Lewis. That's going to be good. Former exotic dancer, and it's going to be interesting to see what's going to go on there. Uh, and then we can roll into December. We'll be talking to Dr. Wynell and Dr. Del Rey. <laughs> and, of course, we'll also have our Christmas special and the best of the year for 2019. Yay. And then a new year begins, and we'll be talking, Hi. we'll be starting the year with the amazing Tracy Harris. Hi. So that's going to be all fun, fine and dandy. Perfect. I don't think I have got anything else to add. Oh, I'm just, I'm just waiting until you can finally say that we're our next show in April when it's finally going to be I would suggest starting, maybe think about, get your snow tires on now, guys. Yeah, maybe yeah. not a bad idea. Get your snow tires on now before everyone loses their minds and they see a snowflake and everybody forgets how to drive in BC because we all know every <laughs> single year in the Lower Mainland, it's all good. Everyone drives normally. They forget about the tires, and then they see a snowflake, and everybody forgets how to drive like a human being. Exactly. And all I'm you sure. people in California just keep laughing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Until next time. Wait a second. How, how do you get somebody's going to confuse Donut Hole with Glory Hole? How did you get that? Just because it has hole? You'd be surprised. You are twisted. You are sick and twisted. Look you at, think I'm bad? Look, look, the pretzel himself is called. <laughs> the pretzel himself? <laughs> we should all know that I'm sick and twisted by now. I live with Christina, and especially with... You know. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> New potential partner. Uh, Even more right. sick and twisted. So. Now let me take a sec. Don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, but intended, I find it disgraceful. The thousands of children are raped by priests and since they're Keep it on the hush, don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them, fuck that The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name And let me take a 